0: Welcome to Random Rambling and Rhetoric with T.J. Mercer. That's my T.T. And it's all powered by the Samsung Notes. Now, here's my T.T. I just loves me some porta-potties, said no one ever. I don't know about you, but the ickiest thing on the planet is when I am forced to use a porta potty. I try to hold my bladder until the last possible minute. And what about nasty public restrooms? Ew, public restrooms plus kids. Parents, what do you do as soon as you take them to a public bathroom? You make them hold up their hands and forbid them to touch anything. Then you get in the stall. There's no toilet paper or seat cover. You handle your business, come out, and then there's no soap or paper towels. Lord, how much Jesus is just not a good situation all around. Fortunately, though, fortunately, there's the restroom kit, a full bathroom solution the size of a lightweight deck of cards a deck of cards y'all. I keep one in my purse all the time just because it's complete with a full patented oversized toilet seat cover, enough toilet paper to cover the essentials, plus wet wipes for your tushy and your hands. The restroom kit is a don't leave home without a necessity for your road trips, you going camping, the beach, festivals, basically any restroom that ain't yours. Even that friend of yours who's cleaning is not their strong suit, you know what I mean. So pop on over and visit therestroomkit.com. That's therestroomkit.com. And when you use the code Ramblings, R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-S, you will get 15% off your purchase. So stop going to the bathroom without the full protection you need. Go get the restroom kit at therestroomkit.com welcome to day 21 y'all we are knocking these down we are knocking these down we got 10 days after this and uh this is day 21 of full month of what is it august full of tj and Jesus. like i forgot what, what it's called and I am T.J. Mercer. On uh, most days, I'm known as the chief noisemaker of Media Mavericks Academy, which means I teach authors, experts, coaches, and entrepreneurs how to book themselves in the media without a publicist and without being a celebrity. I'm a beast what I do because I spent 25 years in Hollywood, and my Mavericks are appearing all over the place, killing the game. I'm still very proud of them. However, then this in this season. I am essentially God has assigned me to be those of you who show up and rocking with me all this time. I am assigned to be your Moses. I ain't said it, God said it. And so I anchor scripture. I anchor scripture for this season of August 2020 is Exodus 19.3. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. And so we're hooking into those seven words. This is what you are to say, because apparently for almost 21 days straight, um, God has had me have a lot to say to y'all. And what is happening is we are awakening the Peter in all of us. We have been studying Peter for all of August. Can y'all believe that? Like we have dissected Peter from every situation and way possible. It's like, can I talk any more about Peter? And so this really, we're we've moved into a segment of our study where we are gleaning from Peter, observing, absorbing, and observing, walking with Jesus, and the lessons. Hey, my Unita, and the lessons that we are getting from just watching how Peter and Jesus and John and James have been interacting in that Peter, according to Jesus, said, you are the rock and upon this rock, I'm building my church. So we're spending time learning how Peter was being groomed by Jesus to build a church. And so yesterday uh, I shared the story of for I've never I've only shared their story one time publicly. And I shared the story of me, the whole thing of me losing uh, my daughter and in thinking today. So a few days ago, Audrey, you here? you tracking this? You tracking this? Because I didn't see it coming. Remember the day Peter Reese is here in Hungary. <laughs> I love that. Remember the day that I taught the word purpose and we broke down purpose into P U R P Seven letters. So we spelled out what purpose and each one of them had. And I, I kept saying to you, all I have no idea why God had me breaking this down in this way. Hi, my Dolly. Hi, my. Have I spoken to everybody? Hey, Miss Mary. Hey, Legenda. Hey, Kikita. Uh, Audrey is tracking it. So, Audrey, because of how you say you think, I want you to kind of like start making connections because I'm still in it. And, like I told you, I don't necessarily know the lesson until the day of. There's been two times I think I've known the lesson. This was yesterday. I knew the lesson early, and on Sunday, I know what the lesson is. But other than that, I've been in it. And um, and I said then when I was teaching it, like I have no idea why God is like it was layered. And I was like, I don't know. Hi, my Elsie Yvette. I don't know why he's having us do it this way. But I I trust that y'all going to trust me to trust God enough that he's going to start collecting dots. Having no idea that each day after that, I think it's been I've delved into deeper each letter of purpose. So uh we de- dealt with the U, we dealt with the S. What we dealt with last night. We dealt with the O last night, and today we're gonna deal with one of the P's, the process. Because indeed, it is a process to get to your purpose. So we're gonna dissect that. Now, before I go there though, I want to Offer this to those of you who, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I forgot to do something. So hold on. I'm coming. Hold on. I'm coming. Hold on. I'm coming. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. I got it. I got it. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. Okay. So I want to show you or make it available to you if need. I, I talked about losing my daughter, right? And there we go. I wrote this. In response to my journey of grieving because it has not been and Patrice I should have sent this to you see oh let me let me um I'm gonna paste it here and then Patrice I'm gonna send it to you so you can paste it for them in the my personal page chat okay if they want it so I made this and remember, I talked about at the end last night that God ended up using, God ended up using my journey of losing my daughter for purposes I had no idea never could see coming. And so I wrote this journey to grieve back then, having no idea that at some point, remember when there was that shooting at the naval yard, somebody sent me a picture of this hanging in the cubicles that had been passed around to help the sailors deal with the grief of that shooting. I still to this day have no idea how it made it there, but that's just one of the things that that's one of the, the ways That God has used my grief to minister to other people. And remember, I was saying it cost me. It cost me this joy that I have now. My joy has never been on the table, non-negotiable. But there were times I really questioned Did I let Satan steal my joy because of the pain I was in. And I questioned if I ever would smile, if I ever would be happy. Not really understanding in the midst of it that I was I was in the in a process. So when Patrice, okay, she got it. So um, uh, Patrice, if you can put put she put the link in the chat so you can go grab it and download it for yourself if you want. If you feel that, it will be helpful helpful on your 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 grieving journey go grab it it's in the chat instagram it's in the chat and uh on youtube periscope and facebook cuz it's a complicated link and instagram doesn't let you copy chats and i mean copy links anyway so um but it's it's in there and, and so when i'm saying that we're going to hook onto the p the process is indeed a process this is it's like I'm amazed at how God is even connecting these dots and I don't even know, you know, the outline of where we're going, but I'm seeing how he's hooking everything to every day of what we're teaching. So I taught grief last night. I walked through grief and we walked through overcoming um uh, when, we, when we talked about praying, that's what it was and how we have to yield to God's no's and for me, my losing my daughter and not letting Satan get to me and not letting Satan just turn me off on God um, I had to yield to God's no and now that's going to connect to but there was a process for me to get here and who I am today And if you think about it, and this this is how my study started this morning, everything, and and guys, we probably, we may go over, and I'm just warning you now, we may go over our kind of allotted time. I'm not sure, but you're gonna see how it goes. But we're gonna be doing a lot of walking scripture down because it is a process for me to show you the process. So I'm laying that foundation now. We're gonna be doing a lot of reading of scripture tonight because I need to point out the process, all right? Because it's crucial. I think this is a very crucial step in where we are going when we're awakening the Peters in us, we have to understand it is a process. And when I started thinking about the even the creation of the world, that I could be wrong, but the only thing that God has done instantly is create the world let there be light, there was light, let there be earth, there was earth, let there be ocean, there was ocean, boom. But within that creation, there was buried processes. There's a science to how the light becomes light. There's a science to precipitation and oceans. So there's processes in everything that he has done. There's processes. Oh, I can actually take this away, my bad. There's processes in that man have created So God said let there be light There was light He created a process Man comes along and he starts duplicating that process We get electricity And even though we go and just flip on the light switch And it happens instantaneously There still is a process that happened instantaneously So with everything With your grief There's a process With your getting to your promise There's a process Even Jesus coming to earth There was a process. God built in a process. He could have just handled this thing with sin. He could have just put Jesus on the earth, did whatever he needed to do. Boom, we saved. But he made Jesus stay here for 33 years. That's a process. Jesus had to walk in a human body, lower his royalty to take on his humanity because God says there's a process. There's things to be gained and learned in a process. Had Jesus not walked that journey in a process, Peter would have had the observation to do what he was called to do. So he had to go through the process. So can we agree? Have I drilled into you? There is a process. And everything you do from now on, you'll start looking at. That there's a process and you can't skip steps. You miss one step in the daisy chain of power happening. You ain't gonna have a no power. And then I started thinking about, you know, in in in, in um in nature, us. looked up what is the shortest amount of time for a gestational period of an animal and the shortest time is 12 days and that's because of a Virginia possum so a Virginia possum takes from conception to birth is only 12 days whereas an elephant Takes 22 months. One elephant. And then I got fascinated because sometimes I go down a rabbit hole. I got fascinated. Anybody want to take a guess what this animal will turn out to be? Because of the process. Anybody want to take a guess? And what that cute little girl turns out to be because of a process. Patrice says, Bear. That little mangy animal who was born blind, basically hairless and only weighs about half a pound grows up to be a polar bear. And for context, that little half pound animal grows up to be like a 10 foot tall polar bear. But looking at how it started in the beginning of the process with no hair, being blind is the one of the, is the largest bear in the bear species. From something that's a half a pound. And no hair and blind. Because of a process. And that little girl, that cute little girl that y'all was just looking at, with her mama and her daddy, grew up to be an award-winning TV editor because of a process. And she couldn't skip steps. She had to go through every dip, every turn to be who she is right now on August twenty first, two thousand and twenty. Patrice, what's going on? The enemy does not want this message to go forth loose. What's going on? Is something? Is something going on? Is mine? Is something going on? I need to know about. So now, with that said. The process, like we saw last night, can be real painful. And I wanted us to take a look at the process is not always. I didn't wake up and become a TV editor. There were some parts of that journey that were painful as I grew into what God had called me to do. So go to Psalms. And I wanted us to just take a look at some of the Psalms that David wrote at his lowest part of his journey. So Psalms 5 is when Saul started first turning on him. And he wrote, oh, Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help, my king and my God. And let's not forget, David had been anointed to be king when he was a kid. There was an anointing on him physically. Samuel poured oil on the dude's head to anoint him. God chose him himself. Ignored all his other brothers. And God still chose this dude and still put him through the process. And remember, we talked about when he fought Goliath, he walked up to Goliath with such confidence because Goliath was about eight to nine feet tall. And David in the process had been practicing with lions and bears with the bear being about eight or nine feet tall. So God didn't just throw him into the kingdom. He took him through a process. Because of the journey he needed to take to be the king, he was called to be. So at one point, Saul was stripping. Saul had turned on him. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and I wait expectantly. We talked about we pray. We waiting on the answer. Oh, God, you take no pleasure in wickedness. You cannot tolerate the sins of the wicked. Therefore, the proud may not stand in your presence for your hate. You hate all who do evil. You will destroy those who tell lies. The Lord detests murderers and deceivers. Because of your unfailing love, I can enter in your house. He's switching it. He, he felt abandoned and now he's switching it to who really God is. Because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. I will worship at your temple with deepest awe. Lead me in the right path, O oh Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. Make your way plain for me to follow. Make the process plain for me to follow. My enemies cannot speak a truthful word. Their deepest desire to de- is to destroy others. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with flattery. Oh God, declare them guilty. Let them be caught in their own traps. Drive them away because of their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in in you rejoice and let them sing joyful praises forever and spread your protection over them, that all you love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the golly, O Lord, you surround them with your shield of love. Jump over to 142, Psalms 142, where it gets real intense on him. Saul was on his heels so close and he had been running and running and running. And he was exhausted. He says verse 1, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints. Dude, I'm talking to you before him and tell him all my troubles. And when I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Whatever, Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps me. Everyone turn. Saul and his jewels are hair. And then there's other armies hunting him. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Have you ever felt that way? God has given you a promise and it's like this thing is hard, God. Because you're in the process. And then I pray to you, oh Lord, I say you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear me cry if I'm very low. Rescue me. From my persecutors for they are too strong for me bring out of prison so i can't bring me out of prison so i can thank you the golly will crowd around me and you are good to me slip over to 143 here he's still saul is hunting him on a journey that he didn't even ask for david didn't ask god to can i be the king david was not born into royalty that wasn't on his radar. So how come God gonna come up and do? I, w- I was listening. I was, I was mining my sheep. I was doing what you were asking me to do. I ain't even asked for this. You come telling me that you're gonna make me the king. And before that, we only knew one king. So you telling me that you're gonna make me the king? I ain't asked for this, and now you're gonna make it hard and difficult? I got to almost lose my life. I got to sleep with one eye open every night. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my plea. Answer me because you are faithful and righteous. Don't put your servant on trial for no one is innocent before you. My enemy, he's telling God, my enemy has chased me. He has knocked me to the ground and forces me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I didn't sign up for this life. And then he tells him, Lord, I'm losing all hope and I'm paralyzed with fear. I know my men think I'm valiant and I, they think I'm brave, but really in truth when nobody is watching. I'm paralyzed with fear. And I, rem- mm, I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and I think about what you have done. I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched land thirst for rain. Basically, no matter what, where I'm going to (laughs) go. Yes, talking like that to Jesus. (laughs) Yes, Camille. Come quickly. I love that. Come quickly, Lord, and answer me for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me or I will die. Let me hear. Say something, God. Stop being silent. Say something to me. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning for I am trusting you. In this process, show me where to walk. For I give myself to you. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord. I run to you to hide me. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Make your gracious spirit lead me forward on firm footing. For the glory of your name, O Lord, preserve my life. Because of your faithfulness, bring out this distress. In your unfailing love, silence all my enemies. And destroy all my foes for I am your servant. He recognizes just like I recognized in that hospital room. God, this sucks. This hurts. But where am I going to go? You're the only one that's going to get me through this. So I got to go to you. The person, the, the, the entity that's causing my pain is also has the solution for my pain. So come help me. What is the process, God, of how I'm going to get through this journey? Go over to Genesis 37, 5 through 28. Y'all still with me? I told you we're going to be doing a lot of reading because you've got to understand the process. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. Joseph's around, I think uh, uh, historians say he's about 14 to 17 is estimated how old he is. So he's clueless. He's just a teenager excited to share his dream with his little brothers or with his big brothers. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more. Because understand, Joseph was Jacob's favorite. So they already hated him. So now this dude is going to come and share the dream. He, He wasn't mature enough to keep his mouth shut. He didn't know about the haters just yet. And he didn't know the haters were in his own house. Soon, Joseph had another dream, and again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, so that wasn't good enough. He learned his lesson. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time, he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dream meant. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to their pasture flocks at Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pastoring the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I'm going to send them to you. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way and Joseph traveled to Shechem from the home in the valley of Hebron. When he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for? He asked. I'm looking for my brothers. Joseph replied, do you know where they're pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man said. They've moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go on to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. And as they approached, they made plans to kill him. Like, hmm, that hatred, that was serious. Like at first, when you start reading, it's like, okay, we understand. He passed, he get on their nerves. Then we see they plotting to kill the baby. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. And we can tell our father, a wild animal, has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, Reuben is the oldest. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into the empty cistern here in the wilderness and then he'll die without laying a hand on him. Like, that was better. That, like, like, that, that would have been better. Like, so we ain't just going to kill him quickly. We're going to starve him to death. Like, what, what, what? Make that make sense. Then he'll die without laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. Okay, so he was looking out for his little brother. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off that beautiful robe he was wearing. That was the coat that his daddy had given him. And then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now, the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. Then, just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards him. And it was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? we'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood, but like that logic, man, like yo, after all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood and his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites who were Medianite traders came by, Joseph's brother pulled him out of the cistern. And can you imagine what Joseph is, is thinking? Like, is he thinking like, man, I should have kept my mouth shut. Like, these are my brothers. And they doing me like this. And I'm wondering, is he thinking, oh, this is some big old prank that they're doing. You know, they're going to let me out. And he's yelling, let me out. Okay, it's over. Y'all gone too far now. Come get me out. I'm getting thirsty. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Medianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the sister and sold him. For twenty pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt. I wonder. I wonder how long did it take him to realize, this is, real. And that he's crying, and 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 as they are, cutting him off, and he's seeing his brothers and. He's just still, this is an unbelievable thing. He went from dreaming to being in a real life nightmare. And he's looking at Reuben like, bruh, you're my big brother. How could you do this to me? And he's trying to figure out if his brothers know these traitors and it's all one big practical joke. And what when is this going to be over? Like, okay, I know Reuben to gonna, I'm going to hear the banging on the wagon or something. And I'm going to hear that, you know, they hear they've gone too far. And he's realizing he's getting farther and farther away from home. And the scenery is changing. And he still is having that ounce of hope that this is this is one big joke but the reality is beginning to set in. They really sold me. And so now he's going into a land he knows nothing about and knows nobody and he's gotta be scared. So let's go over to 39. When Joseph was was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Verse two, pick it up. The Lord was with Joseph. In your process, the Lord is still with you. When it's your darkest time the Lord was with Patrice. When you couldn't see your way clear, the Lord was with Wanda. When it made no sense and you couldn't understand why everything was falling down around you, the Lord was with Dolly. When you couldn't necessarily figure out how you were gonna pay all the bills, and 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 the mouths in the house outnumbered the numbers in your bank account, the Lord was with Eunitha. So he succeeded in everything he did because throughout the process, the Lord is with you. He succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph. Potiphar noticed that Audrey is good at what she does. Potiphar noticed that Channing has this unique skill that I need so I can trust This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He went from slave to personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. Because he was that dude. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's house for Joseph's sake. Your process is going to bless the people around you in your orbit even in you in the midst of the process that you don't understand folks are still getting blessed don't believe me look at what you're doing now I told you, I've been up front. I've been in the spiritual warfare since the top of July. I'm walking this thing. I don't have no clue. But if you ask Melissa, she says she's getting blessed. If you ask Patrice, she's saying she's getting blessed. If you ask Tish, she's saying she's getting blessed. So y'all are getting blessed in me being in the process. All of his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Now, something he can't control. Joseph was very handsome and a well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. And here's the thing. Joseph was still serving with a humility and with character at some point because God was with him. he was developing character in the process. And Potiphar's wife soon began to, hey, now boy, Mm -hmm. let me see you. Let me see you administrating and what and why you administrating and what not, come on and sleep with me. She demanded, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here is more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin. Catch this. He don't say it would be a great sin against Potiphar. He said it will be a great sin against God. In his process, he's still walking with God. He's still honoring God. But David, I mean, Joseph was too cute. She had to have a piece of that. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. He's like, yo, I'm just trying to do my job, dude. I'm just trying to do my job. And one day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with all of this. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. You know what? Like, Can you think about the character this young dude had to have that at this age? With his hormones in full swing, he still had the character of God. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story, that Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, ah! he ran outside and leaving his cloak with me. Joseph didn't do nothing wrong. His only sin was being so good at his job that he was given all kind of power and he was handsome. And again, Joseph didn't ask for the dream. Joseph didn't ask for the position. He was just going about his time being a kid. And his brother sold him, but he's still trying to honor God. And it's like, yo, God, you, you, I'm thanking you for, you sold me as a slave, but you've rewarded me by not making me be in the field. And I'm serving, I'm serving from a character. I ain't bothering nobody. And here, this woman hitting on me. And then I gotta go to prison. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. I don't really think Potiphar believed him. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison. He should have killed him, but he threw him into the prison where the King's prisoners were held. And there he remained. And Joseph Joseph is like, I'm sure he's got to be like, how I end up back enslaved. Like I was, I did nothing. But the Lord was with Joseph. What did that say? But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. When we read Psalms 139 the other day, it said, no matter how deep you go, God is still with you. So at his highest God was still with him, he honored him and part of the process is now he put him back into prison and yet God was still with him. And show, not only was he with him like in my hospital room where I couldn't even see my hands before me because it was so dark. He was still with him and he showed him his faithful love. That's what kept Joseph going. That's what's going to keep you going, Deborah, when you're in the process. That's what's going to keep you going, Nejas, when you're in the process of your daycare. His faithful love and knowing he's still with you. And the Lord made Joseph duh. A favorite with the prison warden. Everywhere this dude go, he got favor. And before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners. So he's just gonna roll up in the prison, become the favorite, and he gonna be in charge of all the other prisoners. What kind of God does that? The warden had no worries, just like Potiphar, because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. 40, sometime later... Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offered their uh, offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials and he put them in the prison where Joseph was in the palace of the captain of the guard. So notice the strategy, though. Don't miss this. He, they didn't put Joseph in the regular prison. God made it so that he put Joseph in the prison where the king's prisoners were held, not with the regular prisoners. Because there's always a strategy in the process. Even when it seems like God ain't paying attention and he's being, it's be, everything is being happenstance, he's connecting dots. I'm telling you, I'm living this right now. He's connecting dots that you didn't even see coming. You ain't smart enough to even to see coming. You don't have the knowledge and the know-how and the wisdom to see coming, but God knows exactly where to position you. So when these two got thrown in prison, they were right there with Joseph, and they remained in prison for quite some time. It doesn't say, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph. Is God connecting dots? And while they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and Baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. And when Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset, and so worried today he asked them, and they replied we both had dreams last night but no one can tell us what they mean interpreting dreams is god's business he didn't say it's mine he didn't say i'm good at this interpreting dreams is god's business so go ahead and tell me your dreams so skip on down he tells the dreams he tells the dreams he tells the dream he tells them what it means um and skip down to 20 pharaoh's birthday came three days later and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. And he summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. So he let him out. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could, again, hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had predicted in the dream. So Joseph nailed it. He got the dream right. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, cup however, forgot all about Joseph. So I'm sure. Okay, wait, we got to go back to see. Hold on. We got to go back to see. Okay, so go to 13 because I I forgot this part is in here. So go to 13. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore your position as his chief cupbearer. So he was he was he was telling him what the dreaming now 14. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh. Let him know I'm here. I got skills that can serve him so he may let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. He did nothing to deserve it. But they get out of prison and they totally forget. And can you imagine Joseph knows like he sent the message to them and. He knows, and he, so he's watching the door. He's he's preparing like, oh, I know I'm getting out of here now, cause God, I did another one of your good deeds, and 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 I know. And he's watching the door, and every single day, the door ain't opening, or when the door opens, it's for somebody else coming in, or, and he's like, yo, did they forget? Like, how they gonna forget? I I, I interpret the dream like God. How you how you gonna forget about me? I did what you asked me to do. 41, two full years later, Joseph watched that door for two full years. Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile river and in his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up behind them from the Nile, but these were scrawny and thin, and these cows stood beside the fat cows on the riverbank. And then the scrawny, thin thin cows ate the seven healthy fat cows. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up. Skip down to eight. The next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dream, so he called for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. And when Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell what they meant. Finally, that word. Two full years later. Finally, when Joseph had all lost all hope, when Joseph had just resigned himself that this is going to be his life, when Joseph decided, like, you know what? I ain't never getting out of here. He heard the king, key, the keys of the, the door of the jail jingle. The king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Today I've been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. Some time ago you were angry with the chief baker and me and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. And one night the chief baker and I each had a dream and each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. He forgot about Joseph. We told him our dreams and he told us what each of our dreams meant. And everything happened just as he predicted. And I restored into my position as cupbearer and the chief baker was, you executed him on a pole. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, at once, suddenly. And he was quickly, before he even recognized what was happening, he quickly was brought from the prison. And he's going to meet the king like he had been waiting for this day for so long. It's like he he caught like what? what, what?" And after he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night and no one here can tell me what it means. But I've heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Look at what Joseph says. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. In two full years of seeming like God forgot him. It's in it's beyond my power to do this, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. And so Pharaoh told Joseph his dream. And in my dream, he tells him the dream, he tells him the dream about the grains of sand. You know, it's a familiar story. So I'm not gonna read all of this. This is what happened just as I verse 28. Pick it up at 28. No, let's go to 25, 25. Joseph responded. Both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. So God has given strategy. This is a part of the process. He's given, given, given Joseph the skills and the insight and the knowledge to impress the king, the Pharaoh. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin, scrawny cows that came up later, and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. 28. This will happen just as I described it. For God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity through the land of Egypt, but afterward there will be seven years of famine, so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt and famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happen. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent, wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. He didn't even volunteer himself. He wasn't even really thinking about himself. He was making, he was giving strategies to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh should should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one fifth of all the props during the seven good years and have them gather all the food produced in the good years. They're just like, he's laying out process. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it so there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. Watch this. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously, mm. however, Joseph presented himself how the authority by which he spoke how he showed up in the midst of being in prison we don't know how long we just know it was 2 years after the 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 cupbearer and the baker however long he was in prison there still God was with him and he showed up with the God in him that it was so noticeable that Pharaoh says obviously He's filled with the spirit of God. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly ain't no one else intelligent or wise as you are. You, look at that, suddenly, in a minute, boom, immediately, he went from being in the prison to being in charge of the palace. You will be in charge of my court and all my people who will take orders from you. Only I, no one ahead of you sitting on my throne will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand, placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. So he went from rags to riches, literally. That quickly after the process, then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, Kneel down. He went from having to kneel to folks kneeling down to him. So Pharaoh put jo- Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Then Pharaoh gave Joseph a new Egyptian name that I can't pronounce. He also gave him a wife whose name was, I can't pronounce. She was the daughter of Potiphera, the priest of On. So Joseph took charge of the entire land of Egypt. He was 30 years old. Historians said it took 13 years of the process, 13 years of the process for the promise to come about. He was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And when Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he inspected the entire land of Egypt. It is the process. And we won't go into it, but the story goes on. Fast forward, famine hits. Joseph's brothers have to come to Egypt and bow down before Joseph, just like God promised in the dream. Before that moment happened, so if it took 13 years to get into this position, it was seven years of famine. So it took about 20 years for his vision that God gave him as a kid to come to pass where his brothers will literally kneel before him. The only way that Joseph could have the strategy is he served in Potiphar's court. Remember, he was in charge of Potiphar's whole house. So in the process, he was getting the skills, he was getting the confidence, he was getting what he needed. So when the promise showed up, he was ready. He didn't know that at the time when you're in it, you don't realize that everything God is taking you through is so that when he gives you the promise, you know how to maintain the promise. You are not ready for the promise. We can't give a three year old the car keys until she's 16 with a new car. And even then, you mostly unless you are a super rich celebrity, you're not going to give her a Maserati. You're going to give her a Honda. Until she becomes equipped and so we're wanting our promises to be instantaneous and and just I'm tired and not realizing there's a process that God is taking you through so when the promise is manifested, you can maintain it. I'm talking to myself. I ain't talking to just you, that I ain't talking to just you Ninjas, I'm not just talking to you Dolly, I'm talking to myself, Lynn. So instead of God, when you going to do it, God, when you going to do it, God, when you going to do it, God, can you make me ready? Can you take me through your process? Because when you give it to me, I don't want to mess it up. So I'm going to hit you with the seven phases of the process to your promise. And even how God has laid out this study. Think about it. There was so much foundation that we had to lay my process would I would spend hours in the closet, seven and eight hours in the closet, getting the foundation of learning what the process is. And so yesterday and today I was in the closet for maybe two to three hours because it was part of the process. He had to equip me and lay the foundation of understanding Peter. So now I can start connecting the dots of a process in the Old Testament and the things that Peter would know about his history. So that it connects to our process. P. Purging. Purging of character that does not reflect. God's essence. He got to put you on that potter's wheel and let that thing spin as he started just purging the clay away from what's not to be for your masterpiece. And that wheel is spinning. And sometimes you're getting dizzy because you feel like you're going in circles and you feel like I learned this lesson God, you've already done this. And God is like, no, 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 no. I'm concerned about the little things, the nuances that nobody knows, the character that is in you, that you're going to do the right thing. Even when nobody is watching, you're going to do the right thing when nobody's even paying attention. You're going to be doing the right thing, even though nobody will ever know. Because that's the character I'm purging in you. Because your character has to reflect my essence of who I am. If you're going to identify yourself as my kid, you're going to have to look like my kid. If I'm going to identify myself as Miss Thang Thang's kid, there's elements of me I got to look like her. There are times where I catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror or I do a mannerism. I'm like, oh my God, I'm turning into my mama. Cause I have her essence. I've spent 47 years with her. Her essence is rubbing off on me. R, resistance to the stretching through the growth God has custom designed for you, you gonna resist. Have you ever stretched before? Not you wake up in the morning and you stretching like that. No, I'm talking about like you exercise and you stretch. So imagine you trying to do a split and you are doing the split and there's only so far you can go. But if a person comes and just put a little bit of pressure Your body is gonna resist that, but if you hold that position for five seconds, 10 seconds at the max, that tension that you feel in your thighs is gonna ease up just a little and you can go deeper into the stretch. And then if you hold that moment where it feels like your your thighs are on fire and you hold that moment just for about five or 10 seconds, And somebody just puts a little bit more pressure and take you deeper in the stretch. Yes, your thighs are resisting it. But if you just hold it, your thighs will adjust and you're going deeper. And every day as you repeat that same routine, you'll end up realizing every day you can start deeper than you did from day one. That's what the process looks like. You think you can't handle it first and it's too much. So you are fighting it, you fighting the purging. God, I don't want to do this. This is too hard. I'm going to look stupid. What are people going to say? And God is like, well, it doesn't matter because I'm still going to hold you in this stretch. And then when you start exhaling and breathing into the stretch and leaning into the stretch, you realize, okay, God, that wasn't so bad. And I'm becoming more flexible. The more you keep that pressure on ensuring that I'm leaning into the stretch. That's the second phase. Third phase. Is when your obedience just becomes paramount. It no longer matters what other people think as you're stretching. All you care about is your obedience. God. Am I doing what's right? Is this what you want from me? How do you want me to serve out this term in prison? Am I doing the right thing? Am I still representing you? Am I in in a slave situation, and I'm still serving you to the best of my ability so that my character reflects that even a man who just met me within 30 seconds can still see the spirit of God on me. Y'all have heard me. Some of you have heard me. I'm not going to tell it tonight, but have heard me tell the story of the first time I met Samuel L. Jackson. I was his behind the scenes producer on Shaft. And if you haven't been called an MF by Sam Jackson, you have not lived. Let me just say that. But I'm not going to go into that part of the story. But the first thing that Sam said to me, having never met me ever, is he called me an MF cheerleader. And all my whole team were like, thinking my feelings were hurt. And he said it and he walked off. Some of you heard me tell the story. And my team, they were like, are you okay? I was like, are you kidding me? Sam Jackson, who had never met me, there was something about me. He still saw that I am somebody's cheerleader. Because by that time, I was in a position and a process, and I didn't care what nobody thought. I just wanted to be obedient. I took the job because I was being obedient. So it's a process. And your obedience becomes paramount. C. your confidence emerges in recognizing God's voice to guide you on the journey. There there becomes a turning point that you real clear on God. I heard you. I know that was you. You require less and less signs and confirmation. Because you've walked through the process enough that. You start recognizing how God speaks to you. So you start recognizing his voice because Jesus said my sheep know my my voice. So you start there's a confidence that you can act act with confidence when you show up. So when Joseph came up out of the prison, he wasn't nervous about could he interpret the dream? He had been through this enough to know he's confident God going to show up and give him the insight to the dream. And so you start just leaning into the confidence after you've obeyed for so long, you start leaning into the confidence of you just knowing, I hear you, God. There are times when God has told me to do something and I didn't hesitate. Like, I hear you. Okay. Done. And then there are times where I'm like, okay, now, wait a minute. Hold up. That just seems so far fetched. Don't, 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 don't uh, smite me, God. Uh, but uh, I just need a couple of signs. I'm going I'm to pull my Gideon card out. Every once in a while, I get to play the Gideon card. Like I just really need to be sure. And then E. Your excitement emerges because you realize that God is molding you into something Magnificent. For his purpose, so you become excited and you willingly climb up on the potter's wheel like you ain't done yet. Okay, I'm back on here now. Finish purging me, cause I know after you're done, I've had enough. Enough history with you that shoot. I I thought I was dope before. (laughs) Watch. Once I get off this potter wheel this time, ooh, yeah, baby. I'm going to be cute. I'm going to be a masterpiece that God made. Yup, You get excited. I tell people, yo, I can't I can't deal with nothing right now because I'm, I'm back on the potter's wheel. Because God got more purging. He got to do with me because he got to keep shaping these hips. I need to be that, that bam, bam, bam. He's shaping the hips, but that's my character. So there's an excitement like, God, what you doing to me? What you doing to me now? You prepare me for my promise. I'm getting closer to my promise. You prepare me. So I'm excited about what you're doing. And then S, you're pri- you shift. You start feeling a shift of your priorities and how you even do life. Because you know your moves will be God-directed. People know me so much now. Like when I say I got to pray about it, I got to see what God tells me. I don't know if I'm allowed to do that right now. I know I don't even want to do it without God's authority. I don't have no interest in doing it if it ain't God directed. I have no interest whatsoever in walking out in my own mind, in my own power. I'm like Joseph. I can't do this because it's beyond what I can do, but God can. He can do it through me. And then finally, the last phase. There's a surety of knowing that God indeed knows best. So you will walk through his next process with less pushback. You know the process now, you know how this works. By the time God told me to move to Atlanta, I had gone through enough processes of watching him purge me. I knew what my resistance would look like. I knew I could be obedient. And I knew at some point, even though I didn't really, you know, I was resistant because I didn't want to do it. I want to leave LA, but I knew my obedience would kick in. And then there are moved into there's a confidence of knowing I hear you clearly. So whatever you got for me, I can, I can trust it. And then I started getting excited about just how watching God make moves on my behalf to make the move. And then my priorities started really shifting, like, okay, I got to leave my L.A. life behind. I got to focus on what my priorities are for Atlanta And then I get here, world shuts down. I got to go back to my confidence of knowing I heard from God. But then there was a surety when I started seeing, yeah, you do know what's best. You had me start story time with Auntie TJ. You heard me do bingo. And now you got me doing August full of TJ. None of that would have happened had I stayed in LA. So you indeed know what's best. That's process. And you're going to go through those seven phases on your way to your promise. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do something a little different. Usually when I give you the acronym, we're done. But I now need, there's something about this message that I feel like that God led me that we need to seal the deal. So we got to go back to scripture. Go to Job 1. Cause we got to seal. This is one. We got a button. We got a button that what we're learning here. Job one. What did Lynn? What is Len said? Every time. What did you say? Every time I think. Oh, man, this is the best acronym. God just gives you an even doper one. I know, Lynn, I'm telling you, I had a same like, God, the, the acronym yesterday was dope. But this, yo, like, y'all, I'm telling you, it blows my mind. I, I am even being surprised myself. Like, I've known I was good at acronyms, but he has shown up in these acronyms. I'm like, you know, my day will start with like, OK, God, uh, what are we doing to? Yo, God, didn't see that coming. Like I was supposed, I thought I was going to talk about something totally different. And I was on the phone today with my friend telling me she'd lost another friend to, um, uh, lost another friend to death. And I found myself going the process of grief. And that's how God hit me. Like we're talking about process today. Like, oh, and then I'm like, okay, so what's the word? He's like, the word is process. Okay. What it means? And he just started. I grabbed my and he just kind of downloaded it. So I'm just as much as y'all think think it land, that's me too. Job one. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of us. He was blameless. A man of complete integrity. He had character when nobody was watching. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He went the other direction. Evil came toward him. He crossed the street. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, so they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. And when these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. And for Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned. Like, I'm going to cover my kids. That's how dope I, I, I respect God and have cursed God in their heart. So I'm going, I'm going to squash that. This was Job's regular practice. This is what he did every day. Verse six, one day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves. Uh Oh, heaven had a meeting. And for some reason, Satan got up in the meeting. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord. I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, ain't nobody told him to volunteer Jack. God going to be up here volunteering folks. Well, have you noticed my servant Job? Job, I'm sure Job, if he knew this was happening, he'd be like, yo, I'm just trying to stay under the radar. He was me. I'm just trying to stay under the radar. I don't want no problems. I'm just trying to live my life with my family and whatnot. He is the finest man on all the earth. God is just bragging on Job. He is blameless. A man of complete integrity. Uh, God, can you tone it down though? the You ain't got to tell Satan all of that. Just chill. You ain't got to tell that he fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord. Yes. But Job has good reason for fear. Oh, I didn't put up the, I didn't put up the, or did I? And I just bumped away. Okay, there we go. Job. uh, uh, You've always put uh, a a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You've made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is but reach out and take away everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. Satan didn't know Job and how his character was. All right, you may test him. What? So you just up here volunteering, folks? Ain't Satan even ask you about Job? Lord said to Satan, do whatever you want with him, with everything he possesses, and then you gonna just give him carte blanche? What in the entire hell, God? but you can't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Jump over to chapter 35. That means chapter 31, chapter 31, verse 35. So by this time, Satan had done his thing. He had stripped Job of everything. His wife had told him, why not you just curse God and die it ain't worth it. You might as well just die. His friends, his well-meaning friends. This is why you got to figure out who you waiting with. Come on, let's go back. Y'all know the story. Like, who you waiting with? Because his friends was just poisoning him. You should do this. And what did you do? And we thought you were all that. And you the richest man. But look at you now. All that. Who you waiting with? Who you waiting with? These were Joe's friends. And Job finally speaks, verse 35. If someone, if only someone would listen to me, look, I will sign my name to my defense. Let the almighty answer me. Uh-oh. Okay, so uh, uh that, that's how you talking to God? Let my accuser write out the charges against me. I would face the accusation proudly. He said it with his chest. I'll face the accusation proudly, I would wear it like a crown. Say it with the chest, Joe. For I would tell him exactly what I have done, and I would come before him like a prince. Watch me if my land accuses me and all its furrows crowd together, or if I've stolen its crops or murdered its owners, then let the thistles grow on the land instead of wheat and weeds instead of barley. Barley, he said it with his chest. Let the own- I need you to pick up on the 35 line. Let the almighty answer me. Like this is, you're talking about the God that volunteered your butt in the first place, but you don't know what's going on. So you're talking at the side of your neck, basically. And so here we go. I would have to say that chapters 38 through 42 are my all time favorite. Chapters of the Bible. For me, this is the original drop the mic moment. Like I love these chapters and I want to read them because I need to solidify the process for you so you can be clear. Of when you rebel against the process, you don't have to understand the process. You don't even have to know that there is a process. But you better put some respect on the almighty's name. Job didn't have a clue that the reason why he was going through all of this is because God thought he was so dope. But in his pain and frustration in the process, he started talking out the side of his neck. And verse one sets the tone. This, I'm t- this is for me, this is a straight drop the mic. If you've never read this before, listen clearly because we're going to read all of it. Because you got to get this. Because you need to remember this moment. The next time you find yourself questioning the process. Then the Lord answered Job. From a whirlwind. Like right out the gate, we know. Oh, hell. (laughs) Like From a whirlwind, God is answering. Who is this? That questions my wisdom with such ignorant words. Brace yourself like a man. And how do I know you a man? Because I created man. So I know what you capable of. So brace yourself like a man. I'm giving you time. I ain't even going to come and sneak up on you, Job. I'm giving you time to let's sit with this. Arm yourself up. S- separate your feet so you can get a stance. Because I'm about to come for you. Because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Gonna tell me the almighty must answer. No, you must answer them. Where were you? When I laid the foundations of the earth, tell me if you know so much, who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundation? Process, process. And who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb, as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick? Mm, He already said it. As I clothed it with clouds. He slipped that in it and wrapped it in thick darkness. For I locked it behind barred gates, limited its shores. Process. I said, this far, no farther will you come. Here, your proud waves must stop process have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness as the light approaches the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath the seal in its robe in brilliant colors the light disturbs the wicked wicked hmm and stops the arm that is raised in violence have you explored the springs from which the seas come have you patrice explored their deaths do you you need to know where the gates of death are located have you seen the gates of utter gloom wanda do you realize the extent of the earth tish tell me about it if you know where does the light come from and where does the darkness go dolly can you take each of it to its home do you know how to get there Oh, but of course you know how all it is, for you were born before it was all created, and you are so very experienced. Have you visited the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of hail? I have reserved them as weapons for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war. Where's the path to the source of light? Where's the home of the east wind? Who created a channel for the torrents of rain? Who laid out the path for the lightning? Negus! Who makes the rain fall on barren land in a desert where no one lives? Who sends rain to satisfy the parched ground and make the tender grass spring up? Does the rain have a father? Who gives birth to the dew? Who is the mother of the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens? For the water turns to ice as hard as rock and the surface of the water freezes. Yvette, can you direct the movement of the stars binding the cluster of the Pleiades or loosening the course of Orion? Tish, can you, can you direct the constellations through the seasons or got the bear with her cubs across the heavens? Lashinda, do you, do you know the laws of the universe and can you use them to regulate the earth? Lynn, can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear because it strike it And cause it to strike as you direct, who gives intuition to the heart and instinct to the mind? Who is wise enough to count all the clouds, not some of them, all the clouds who can tilt the water jars of heaven? Make it rain, make it rain when the parched ground is dry and the soil is hardened into clods. Can you stalk pray for a lioness, spine and satisfy the young lion's appetites as they lie in their dens or crouch in the thicket? Ms. Rochelle, who provides food for the ravens where their young cry out to God and wonder about in hunger? Do you know when the wild goats give birth? Have you watched as deer are born in the wild? Do you know how many months they carry their young? Are you aware of their time of delivery? They they crouch down to give birth to their young and deliver their offspring. Their young grow up in the open fields and then leave home and never return. Tanning, who gives the wild donkey its freedom? Who, who untied its ropes? I have placed it in the wilderness. Its home is the wasteland. It hates the noise of the city and has no driver to shout at it. The mountains are its pasture land where it searches for every blade of grass. Will the wild ox consent to being tame, Neegis? Will it spend the night in your stall, Dolly? Can you hitch a wild ox to a plow? Will it plow a field for you, given its strength? Can you trust it? Can you leave and trust the ox to do your work? Can you rely on it to, bring home, to your, bring home your grain and deliver it to your threshing floor? The ostrich flaps his wings, her wings grandly, but they are no match for the feathers of the stork because I made them. She lays her eggs on top of the earth, process, letting them to be warmed in the dust, process. She doesn't worry that a foot might crush them or a wild animal might destroy them. She is harsh toward her young as if they, they were not her own. So she, she doesn't care if they die. That's me for God for God is deprived of her wisdom. She's given her no understanding, but whenever she jumps up to run, she passes the swiftest horse with this rider. That was me. Have you given the horse its strength or clothed his neck with a flowing mane? Did you give it the ability to leap like a locust? Its majestic snorting is terrifying. It paws the earth and rejoices in its strength when it charges out to battle. It laughs at fear (laughs) and is unafraid. It does not run from the sword. The arrows rattle against it and the spear and javelin flash. It It paws the ground fearlessly and rushes forward into battle with the ram's horn blows. It snorts at the sound of the horn. It senses the battle in the distance. It quivers at the captain's commands and the noise of battle. Is it your wisdom? Miss Rochelle, that makes the hawk soar and spread its wings toward the south? Land, is it at your command that eagle rises to the heights to make its nest? It lives on the cliffs, making its home on a distant rocky crab, and from there, process, it hunts its prey, keeping watch with piercing eyes its young gulp down blood. Where there's a carcass there, you'll find it. (laughs) He takes a break. Do you still want to argue with the almighty? You you, want to argue with almighty now? You need to, you want to argue with almighty? Tish? Because, you know, you are God's critic. But do you have answers? (laughs) Job, kiss and get right now. (laughs) Then <laughs> Job replied to the Lord. I'm nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I'm, I'm going cover my mouth with my hand. I said too much already. You know what? I, I ain't got nothing more to say. And God was like, Mm-mm. you opened the door, baby. I'm walking through it. So he came in the whirlwind, brace yourself like a man. Don't shrink now. You had all of that saying it with your chest because I still got some questions for you and you must answer them. Will you discredit my justice and condemn me just to prove you are right? Are you as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? All right, put your glory and splendor, your honor and majesty, give vent to your anger, let it overflow against the proud, humiliate the proud with a glance, walk on the wicked where they stand, bury them in the dust, imprison them in the world of the dead. Then even I would praise you. If you can do all that, I'm gonna bow down to you for your own strength would save you. Take a look at a behemoth, which I made just as I made you. Don't get it twisted. It eats grass like an ox. See, it's powerful loins and the muscles of its belly. Its tail is as strong as a cedar. The sinews of its thighs and knit tightly together. Its bones are tubes of bronze. Its limbs are bars of iron. It is a prime example of God's handiwork and only its creator can threaten it. The mountains offer it their best food where all the wild animals play. It lies under the lotus plants, hidden by the reeds in the marsh. Process, the lotus plants give it shade among the willows beside the stream. Process, it is not disturbed by the raging river, not river, not concerned when the swelling Jordan rushes around it process and no one can catch it off guard or put a ring in his nose and lead it away can you catch Leviathan with a hook or put a noose around his jaw can you tie it with a rope through the nose or pierce his jaw with the spike will it beg you for mercy or implore you for pity will it agree to work for you to be your slave for life can you make it a pet like a bird or give it give it to your little girls to play with will merchants try to buy it to sell it to their shops Will its hide be tur- hurt by spears or head by a harpoon? If you lay a hand on it, Job, will you certainly remember the battle that follows? You won't try that again. No, it's useless to try to capture it. The hunter who attempts it will be knocked down. And since no one dares to disturb, who then can stand up to me? Who has given me anything? Mr. I demand answers. Who has given me anything that I need to pay back? Yo, don't get it twisted. Everything under heaven is mine, including you. I want to emphasize Leviathan's limbs and his enormous strength and grateful form. Who can strip off his hide and who can penetrate his double layer of armor? Who could pry open his jaws for his teeth are terrible. The scales of his back are like rows of shields tightly sealed together. They are close together that no air can get between them. Each scale sticks tight to the next. They interlock and cannot be penetrated. When it sneezes, achoo, it flashes light. Its eyes are like the red of dawn. Lightning leaps from its mouth. Flames of Fire flash out smoke streams from its nostrils like steam from a pot heating over burning rushes. Its breath would kindle coals for flash shoot for flames shoot from its mouth. The tremendous strength in Leviathan's neck, not his body, his neck strikes terror wherever it goes. Its flesh is hard and firm and cannot be penetrated. Its heart is hard as a rock, hard as a millstone when it rises. The mighty are afraid, gripped with terror. No sword can stop it. No spear, no dart, or javelin. Iron is nothing but straw to that creature. And bronze is like rotten wood. Arrows cannot make it flee. Stones shot from a sling are like bits of grass. Clubs are like blades of grass. And it lasts. ha, ha, ha as swishes of javelins, Its belly is covered with scales as sharp as glass. It plows up the ground as it drags through the mud. Leviathan makes the water boil with its commotion. It stirs the depths like a pot of ointment. The water glistens in its wake, making the sea look white. Nothing on earth is its equal. No other creature so fearless. Of all the creatures, it is the proudest. It is the king of beasts. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know you can do anything and no one can stop you. You ask, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? I'm questioning my, I have the nerve to question my process but I'm not gonna hide from you, God, because it was I. I was talking about things I knew nothing about. Things too, far too wonderful for me. You said, listen and I will speak and I have some questions for you and you must answer them. I got you twisted. I got you so twisted. I had you jacked up. I had only heard about you before. <laughs> but now I I have seen you with my own eyes. So I I take back everything I said, every every clueless thing that came out my mouth when I questioned the process. Can you please forgive me for being so clueless and then being clueless in my arrogance? And I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. And the beauty of God Shows up in verse 12. After all of that. It says, so the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life. Even more than in the beginning. And for now. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. And 16 says Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. And then he died an old man who lived a long full life. And so even after God's epic Drop your mic, drop the mic. And putting Job in his place. He still turned around and loved on Job. He didn't prematurely end the process just because Job got frustrated and tired. The process still needed to finish and get this, Job Job never knew. That God thought so much of him is why he was in the process in the first place. So Yvette, Elsie, Audrey, you got to finish the process. You got to finish the process. That's my heart. That's my heart. You need to don't let God have a drop the mic moment on you. You just don't let God have a drop the mic moment on you. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for the time again. Thank you for my peeps who are rocking with me through this journey. Thank you for every single tea light that you've given to me. From Channing, to Terrell, to Tish, to Elsie, to Audrey, to Patrice, to Dolly, to Lashinda, to mom, to Miss T, to all of them that said, I'm hooking my train to her caboose and I'm ready for the Peter to come up out of me. Lord God, from this day forward, we will trust the process even when the process seems like it's leading us in the total opposite direction of the promise. We're still going to trust the process. Lynn is still going to trust the process and she's she's going to stay on the potter's wheel so that you can purge and we're going to recognize that there will be a season of resistance, but After that, Lord, obedience will be paramount. And because of our obedience, we will feel the confidence of knowing we're hearing your voice. And after that, we're going to sense the excitement that's going to come knowing that you are developing us into something masterful that only you may be able to see at the time. And we're going to watch as our priorities shift so that every decision, we're running it by you because we know the surety is that you're going to be operating in our best interest. And so I thank you, Lord, for another full week of just being on your potter's wheel. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all. Was this helpful? Was this helpful? Sometimes I get worried about how stuff lands and when God was like, take them to Job. They need to know Job. I'm like, God, that's like four chapters. You just want me to read four chapters? He's like, yep, because you're going to read them in my voice and how you interpret them. They'll be fine. So was this helpful? Ah. All right, Lord, we're knocking them down. Tomorrow starts our single-digit countdown to the end of August. And we're going to be turning the corner soon to what's the point of all of this. I don't know how we're getting there. I just know we're going to be turning the corner. So in 10, 9, I would apologize for keeping y'all longer, um, but <laughs> it was God. So that we just had to rock it out. Eight, seven. Don't forget tomorrow is what? I spill the tea. Unless God says otherwise, I ain't coming to teach Jack. Tomorrow's when y'all get to pour back into me and really show me. Please pour back into me because it refuels and recharges me to go through the next week. So I ain't going to call no names tonight, but I want to see y'all on camera tomorrow. I ain't coming to teach Jack. Did I say that? My process is, our process is, I teach y'all for six days. Y'all let me rest for one and y'all pour back into me. (laughs) Um, I love y'all. So, uh, I don't know where I was, six, five. Uh, Tomorrow, Dolly, yes, tomorrow is a uh, media mavericks. I I sent out, Claire sent out an email on my behalf that uh, the Q&A is tomorrow for media mavericks Um, because I knew this time was broken. So we're doing it. Oh Lord, I don't remember what time Dolly. Check the email Dolly. I don't remember what time. I don't know if I said 2 p.m. Eastern or 3 p.m. Eastern. I feel like I said 3 p.m. Eastern. I don't know for sure. Don't quote me. Okay. Um, it's on my calendar. I just don't know when I'm doing it because it wasn't like I was going to book anything else. Um, where was I? Five. All right, Tish, I got you. Uh, same time. Yeah. Uh, same time Patrice as tomorrow. Yes. It's the same time for, um, August full of TJ's tomorrow at eight fifteen. 15. Yeah. T- same time. I'm talking to Dolly about media Mavericks. Um, okay. Uh f- or oh, what was I? Four. Three. I love y'all. Got to. Two. One. I'll see y'all tomorrow. For spill the tea. I want to see y'all some of y'all on camera. I ain't coming to teach. Have I said that? I ain't coming to teach nothing. All right. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Bye. Well, that's it. Hopefully, you enjoy what my TT shared with you. And, like she always says, let's go out and make guys smile. And don't forget to hug somebody. It's T2 Mercer signed off now. See y'all later.